open your copy of God's Word to 1 John chapter 4. We're looking at the first six verses this morning as we continue going through this book, verse by verse. This morning, a paragraph about discerning the spirit of error. Let me read it for us. Hear God's Word. 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Let me say it differently. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is Christ come in the flesh, is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you're from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now how many of us, when you read a passage like that, you, your initial thought is, got that. You know, I can write this one off. Don't really need to worry with this. You know, I sat there for a while just looking at it, meditating on it, thinking that I'm not sure this is something I need to spend a lot of time on. And then the more I evaluated what was in the text, I came up with three reasons for me, maybe for you, that no, I need to spend time on this. Number one, arrogance. It's far too easy for us to say, oh, I, I can tell the difference between truth and falsehood. That nobody ever scams me, right? Nobody could possibly scam me. Nobody could possibly trick me. I know truth when I hear it, and I know falsehood when I hear it. And that's really an arrogant place to be, where we think we've got it all figured out. And maybe just like me, begin with repentance. Father, maybe you left this passage for a reason that includes me, and I need to be a little more humble and listen to what's there. Second reason I thought about was advocacy for children. How many of us train our children to discern the spirit of truth from error? I'm not talking about limit their social media time, which certainly needs to happen. But limiting social media time, saying you can only be on your device, in front of the device, whatever, for so many minutes or hours in a day, is not the same as saying, but when you are in front of that device, even if it's for a minute, do you know how to discern what you just heard or saw? And can you determine the difference between somebody trying to influence you for good or for harm. Do we really think about the next generation? Maybe as a parent, I need this passage because I need to raise up a generation who can discern truth from error. 
And then the third thing I thought about was our adversary. Too many times we forget the schemes of the devil. The devil is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he has got us if we don't believe he exists. The biggest scheme of the devil is to convince us he's not here. If you could convince somebody you're not here, if you're in camouflage and they don't see you coming, you, you've won. You're going to take them down. And many times we forget that scamming is a scheme of the devil. 10% of Americans, adults, are scammed every year. They're treated uh, to a scheme of the devil. 1.3 million kids lose their true identity to scammers every year in America. These are schemes of the evil one to, to take truth away and to deposit falsehood. Do we need this passage? Absolutely we do. God gives us a step forward in being able to discern truth from error. First of all, I just want us to see the significance of it. Then we'll look at the standard for testing. And then the comfort he really gives us in this passage um, for those of us who are involved in this. First of all, let's just think about the significance, this warning uh, in verse 1. Beloved, do not let... just. Anything come in your heart and mind. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you see. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For, for, you know, obviously many are not. They're false. False prophets have gone out into the world. Um, it's a warning to pay attention. We test our cars before we purchase them. Typically, more and more people are tr trying that drop off the car at my house and let somebody else test it. I'm not sure, I don't, I'm not going to ask if that's working for you. Um, we test our homes. We even pay people to test our homes before we purchase them. Why not test truth that's much more important to how we're going to end up living our lives? It says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Don't listen to and believe everything. There are, we don't call them false prophets today. We call them influencers. People are paid to influence you a certain direction. And it may not be the direction of truth. Are you testing those influencers? There's millions of them in the world that are not speaking from God. They've gone out into the world. Later on, the text says they speak from the world, not from God. Uh, we hear an assortment of influencers. How many of them begin with the word beloved? What does that mean? It means I love you. I don't, I don't want you to be influenced wrongly. I care about that. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. 
All influencers should start that way. You can begin a, the evaluation by saying, you know, is, is this somebody that really loves me? The test, the standard is going to be even more than that. But it's, it, it, here John is saying, I, I love you. I care about you. I, I don't want you falling prey to this assortment of influencers. We need to test every spirit. And he's, when he mentions in many false prophets, in other words, he's not talking about some mystical thing. He's talking about the spirit in a person. The spirit in a person. Are we testing that? Does that person who's seeking to influence me, do they love me? What is, what is, what's their spirit like? Are they on my side or are they on God's side? Whose side are they on? Are they being paid to take me away from God and away from God's side? What's the spirit in a person that I need to deal with? John, you know, I don't know what really all was happening in John's day. There was also obviously a division in the church. We saw that in chapter 2. People who went out from the church that were not really of the church. So they were dealing with church division. They were dealing with schismatics. They were dealing with people who were preaching and teaching false stuff. What are we dealing with? We deal with those things. We've gone through church divisions, church splits, false teaching. And then it just keeps going now with social media to so many places. Um, using your devices, I've, I've, I've just limited. I don't have but so much time. So trying to think through, who do I want to be influenced by? Do I start um, unfollowing, unfriending? Because... I've seen after once or twice, that person's not influencing me well. That person is not leading me towards God and truth. And I'm really wasting my time to have to discern that every time I hear them. I can go ahead and make a judgment call and then move on. Instead of constantly putting ourselves in front of people that are not seeking our well-being... Uh, they're seeking to harm us. Um, when he says, do not believe, what does he mean? Stop it. That's what he means. Stop it. Don't believe everything. Stop doing this. We need to take some sort of significant action. Do not listen to the influencers. It's easy to continue. So, yes, we tell our kids, let's limit that. That's not appropriate. But do we discern, help them to discern what is appropriate and what's not? So yes, let's help them to limit. Then let's help them to discern. Look at a couple of passages. Matthew 7, verse 15. Matthew 7, verse 15. Quick, easy little verse. Jesus throws to us. Beware false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now, the reason I grabbed that verse for us to think about is because it's, it's, it's so profound that we don't believe it. How do the false prophets come to us? I have never had a false prophet knock on my door and say, uh, just 
for full disclosure, I want you to know I belong to the cult down the street. And as a cult member, I'm trying to influence you to be part of our cult. I never have one show up like that. They don't call on the phone and, and talk like that. They don't get on Instagram and talk like that. They're in sheep's clothing. They look like us. They talk like us. And they don't announce their falsehood. That's why Jesus says, beware. You won't see them coming. They are disguised intentionally and will not share many times. If you ask them, uh, who do you represent? Who, why are you here? And they just move on. Beware. They are ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. So go back to our arrogance. We many times, oh, I'll recognize them. No, you won't. Many times I have not. I've been in relationships with people for years before I finally figure out, whoa, this is Judas Iscariot. Even the disciples, you see, they had one in their midst. And they were even punching each other at the Last Supper. Who's the betrayer in the room? He was disguised well. And that's the way these influencers come to us. So you've got to have something than what they look like, but something more than what they look like as a test. It's, it's pretty significant. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to think more and, and look harder. I'll give you another passage. Look at Acts chapter 20. Here the exhortation is to elders, but I, I, I think we all can, can use this uh, with, with, with no trouble at all. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. <coughs> A good point for I read the next two verses. Uh, pay close attention to yourself. Before you're going to be good at helping other people, you can't, you've got to make sure you're not led astray. You've got to be sure you're influenced by God and not something else. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Important, sobering reminder. There are false prophets in this room. There are people in this room who will rise up among us and Speak twisted things. It's just wrong influence. It's not leading us where we need to go. It says, from among ourselves, these arise. Jesus says, he describes the church like um, a, uh, a garden that has wheat and tares. Or wheat and weeds. He says, they will always be there. Wheat and weeds. And you can't pull up the weeds for fear of pulling up the wheat. You'll grow up together. 
until judgment day. There are weeds among us. There are ravenous wolves among us. They always are. And they'll wait. They're very patient. So it's very significant that we, we see this is a difficult task to judge or to discern truth from error. Because people we know and love all of a sudden start leading us contrary to the way God wants to lead us. Um, we, we can't approach one another by, how does this person help me? What can I get out of it? We have to approach one another, are they true? Is it truth they speak? Whether I get anything out of it or not. I have to begin to discern truth from error. And truth needs to be exalted. We need to practice that kind of testing. How do, what's some examples of it? Let me give you two. Look at Acts 17 verse 11. Those who took this responsibility very seriously. Acts 17 verse 11 says, Now these Jews, these were the Jews in Berea, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Doesn't mean you can't receive. You don't what people around you are saying. It doesn't mean you can't be eager to hear what others have to say. I don't want you looking at each other and being reluctant to be in relationship with one another. But it says, so they received the word with eagerness, but at the same time, they searched the scripture daily to see if what they had heard was true. You evaluate, do we, boy, I, I fail sometimes to sit down in the evening or to sit down in the morning and just evaluate what I've heard for the last 24 hours. To examine that day's influence. And yet that's the example we have. That every day we should be examining that day's influence upon us. And whether or not it was true. Another example, look at uh, 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 5. <clears throat> to the Corinthians, Paul says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. It's a lot there, but just as an example, Paul says, my, my goal in life is to have a biblical worldview in everything. So when a thought, somebody's trying to influence me with their thoughts, when it's coming at me, I... I grab it. I take it captive. 
And then I examine it and I evaluate it. And if it is not leading me to obedience in Christ, that one's cast aside. I want to destroy it. I only want to retain the influences that lead me to the obedience of Christ. Man, there's a lot of work here for parents, isn't it? To train up kids with biblical worldviews. That they take every thought they're given from the world captive to the obedience of Christ. Very significant task God's given us in 1 John chapter 4. Well, what's the standard then? How do, how do we really get there? We've seen hints of it, certainly in that Second Corinthians passage, in the Acts passage. It all comes back to the standard of truth being the Bible. That we have to evaluate what we see and hear and have scripture to use to evaluate. The influencers come. Are they leading us back to the truth of scripture? Look at uh, 1 John 4 verses 2 and 3 again. By this you know the spirit of God. So this is how you're going to know it. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus. And I like a, a little bit stronger translation. And it would be Jesus is Christ. In other words, Jesus is the subject. Everything else here is the predicate. Jesus is Christ, come in the flesh, is from God, and every spirit that does not confess, and see, this would be consistent with it, Jesus is not Christ from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and now is, is in the world already. Um, Christ come into the flesh. Everybody in John's day, but there's just never been hardly any group in history, there's been a small group, but just nobody knows who they are, that didn't believe Jesus was in the flesh. The point here is not that Jesus was a fleshly man, that he was incarnate. That's, John didn't have any trouble with that. Nobody else typically does. The problem is, is a incarnate God the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, is He our only hope for life? Is faith in Him the only way we can be just? That's the issue. Confessing Christ. Jesus is Christ. Um, we looked at Antichrist earlier. If those of you who weren't here, you can look back. Chapter 2 um, is a big section on Antichrist, so I'm not going to do that again. Just note it. Uh, chapter 2, verse 18. Children, it's the last hour, as you've heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. And it goes um, uh, through a number of verses there. Uh, Antichrist is a multitude. It's not one. Many Antichrists. They're false speakers and teachers. They speak heresy. They're religious, not political. They lead us away from religious truth that's found in the Bible. Um, and they're present in the world, John said. He says, they're already here. And they're coming. This false influence is around us right on to the end. Uh, there's a contrast, though. Verse 5, 1 John 4. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens. So we begin to see this contrast that these antichrists, these false teachers, these influencers, they're speaking to us out of a love 
for their world, not out of a love for you or a love for our God. It's a love for this life. It's a love for this world. And they can say it many ways. i give you another. This testing has always been something God wanted us to do. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. Uh, excuse me, chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And let's, let's begin with the last verse. Deuteronomy 12, verse 32. It says, everything that I command you. So this is Moses commanding the new national people of God that's come out of Egypt. Everything I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. Very important principle that's in the Bible four different times. It's in Deuteronomy twice. It's in Proverbs 30. And it's again in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. Hear my word. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It's the standard. If you add to it, you, dilute, you diminish its importance and significance. If you take away from it, you're doing the same thing. Don't add to, don't take away. Verse, chapter 13, verse 1. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams. So here's the false prophet. Here's the Antichrist. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you. That's where they usually come from. And gives you a sign or a wonder. And a sign or a wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, let us go after other gods which you have not known, let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall purge the evil from your midst. God says there's a standard. We've always had to deal with this. People who speak contrary to God. And he says if you listen to that it's it's putting you on a path of rebellion. You're walking away from the God who redeemed you. And how could we do that? I love that song we sang. I think it was the first time I had sung it. That, look where I stand now. I am one who's been brought out of darkness. I now stand in light. I've been brought out of bondage and sin, and I now stand in grace and holiness. How could I go back? How could I be influenced backwards? He says, don't let people influence you that direction. You must keep the standard. When they are influencing you going backwards, they're adding to or taking away from the Word of God. They might use the Word of God. Satan's big at using the Word. But he adds to it or he takes away from it. So you've got to stay with the standard as the pure standard of God's Word. His standard is, is the only standard. It's the, this only source in, on earth that's without error, that's infallible. We must stay with this. Don't add to, don't take away. Uh, acknowledge we need the standards. Uh, who, who do you want influencing you? 
Do you want somebody that's wishy-washy? Changing all the time? Every wind of doctrine? You want somebody who does miracles? Like Deuteronomy 12 talks about? The miracles even come to pass, but they're contrary to the Word of God? Who do you want influencing you? Do you want an influencer to have a standard? And then what's that standard? And the standard needs to be the Word of God. Uh, for my lovely wife, I'm remodeling our bathroom. Don't expect it to be done till Christmas. Takes a while. But I have a standard in remodeling. It's called a four-foot level. So when I put up a stud to put up a new wall, I hold the level against the stud. The stud could go this way, this way, this way, this way. The level helps me get it straight. Straight up and down, which then it will support what it needs to support. It won't look funky when you come in. You know, you need standards. And this is the leveler right here that keeps us straight so that we're not leaning to the right or to the left or falling forward or backwards. We're going straight to Christ. He's leading us homeward. And he wants us to have a standard. Let me give you one other verse. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke 6. Luke, four, Luke 6, 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not what, do what I tell you? That's an easy verse. Jesus is calling out some false teachers. He's calling out some hypocrites. And he says, it's not rocket science. You tell me you're a Christian. You call me Lord. He said, Come on now. Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to obey me? Obedience is part of the definition of Lord. Someone is over you, has authority. We're supposed to obey the authorities. Why do you call me your authority and you don't obey? Your faults. We need to see the standard matters. Someone said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my life. Well, okay. How's that changed you? And if we don't see a lifestyle where they are followers of Christ's word, they're influencing us wrongly. They're not those that should be influencing us. We need to discern truth from error. And he says obedience is one of those tests of whether or not Christ is Lord indeed. It used to be when I was in, in school, just the whole thing about lordship debate and easy believism, where people would believe easily but obey never. So then we debated, can you have Christ as your Lord and not obey? But Luke 6 kind of sums it up, no, not really. If you call him Lord, there's an obedience standard that everybody can judge. You can judge a tree by its fruit. And true believers have a relationship with Christ that we go, God, it's, it's your will. It's not my will. It's your will I want to do. Show me today. Help me. Lead me. 
into your will. What, what pleases you? That's where we want to be. That's the standard God wants for us. Going back to 1 John chapter 4, I didn't want to just leave this passage without seeing some of the comfort that was in it. The, the comfort helping us through this standard is really God or the Spirit of God in us. So judge the Spirit in others. What is the Spirit in us? The Spirit in us is the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, little children, you're from God, and you've overcome them for He who is in you. He's in us. He gives the Spirit to us. We're born again of the Spirit is greater in us than He who's in the world. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth uh, and the spirit of error. Do you know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error? Um, 1 Corinthians 2 explains this perhaps the most exhaustively that we're going to find it in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me just read through it very quickly. It's talking about how when the Spirit of God comes into us, how that enables us to discern truth from error. The Spirit is convincing us. So uh, 1 Corinthians I was in 2 Corinthians. i got to back up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, verse 12. Now, now we have not received the spirit of the world. It's the same context. you got a spirit of the world, spirit's in us. We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting Spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And that's what John was talking about, that when I speak from the Spirit, the truth of God, you who have the Spirit say, yeah, that's a spiritual truth that God's given me. It comes right out of the Bible. You hear it, understand it to be Christ's Word. When you speak it to me, I hear it, understand it to be Christ's Word. The world... They don't know whose word it is. They think it's your word. Christians who have the Spirit, we hear the Spirit. Jesus said it differently. He says, my, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. They, they know when I'm speaking. That's a spiritual power we have in us that's greater than the Spirit of the world. They don't have a spirit within them to enable them to discern the truth from the falsehood. They don't even know the standard. We have the standard. We're convinced and convicted by the standard. We're changed by the standard. We're conformed to the image of Christ by the standard. And when we hear something that's off standard, we say, no, no, no. Because that's not the voice of God leading me that direction. It's somebody else's voice. I had a missionary professor, loved this illustration. He said he went to the Holy Land on one of those Holy Land cruises kind of thing. Gets over there, and where he was standing was on some high place, and he could see a, a pasture with a little uh, mound. 
And there was a shepherd with sheep here and shepherd with sheep here. And the mound was high enough they couldn't see each other. But he could see both of them. And they were walking towards each other. You know, the typical thing, the grass is always greener somewhere else. And so this shepherd and sheep are going this way and this shepherd and sheep are going this way. But as he looked at this, he said, this is, this is going to be terrible. Because these sheep are going to intermingle with one another. And how are they going to know their sheep? And he said he was just blown away that sure enough, they got to the mound. Both the shepherds nodded at each other and they just kept walking. And the sheep do get all intermingled. And after they got a certain distance apart, he said he heard both shepherds, you know, say something like, here, sheepy, 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 sheepy. And every sheep knew their shepherd's voice. And the shepherds didn't have to look back and count and make sure sheep know their shepherd's voice. And they walked the way of the shepherd. That's in me. That's in you. That's a power God gives to his beloved children that we hear his voice. Cry out for it every day. Lord, I want to hear you speak to me. There's so many people who want to speak to me. Influencers of every stripe. But I want to hear my God speak. And he can use men, women, and children from every stripe. But we must discern that we're hearing the voice of God. And God says, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to put my spirit within you. Listen to my spirit's voice. Because my spirit knows when my spirit is speaking. So if the spirit's speaking through me and the spirit's in you, the spirit in you knows when the spirit is speaking. He knows his own voice. And that's the beauty. But it's a lot in this passage, right? I mean, I'm just thinking right now, we don't have time for it, but how much work do we really need to do with our families and with one another to start examining the influences in our lives? This is not a message just to throw off and say, well, that was, yeah, it was a good message. No, this is a message that requires work. When I turn on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Pinterest, And there's so many other unseemly sites. When I turn on news, when I turn on sports, when I watch this or that, will the thought cross my mind, do not believe everything they are saying. Let me test this out. And will I somehow build into my schedule an examination period daily of how I've tried to been how people have tried to influence me. And will I cry out to hear only the voice of God change me and conform me so that I become more and more like Christ and less and less like the world? And will my kids see it, see that process? And will they learn to discern, not just legalistically say, oh, that's bad and that's good, but legal, but 
graciously be able to say, they're both bad. But I can take this that's good and this that's good because the Spirit owns it all and speaks to me on how to use it in such a way that I don't add to or take away from the standard, which is Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we need Christ. It is dangerous for us to go through this life without Christ, without a standard, being led by many voices, being led to our own destruction without Christ. For every child here, for every adult that's not been living with Christ as their standard, Lord, grant them that sweet conviction that they must trust Christ. They must change the way they're living. They must begin to examine everything they hear and see and take it captive to the obedience of Christ. They must fall at your feet. Lord, that's where we fall. We repent of arrogance. We repent of thinking only of ourselves. We repent of ignoring the adversary. And we come back to you, O oh Lord. How gracious you've been to fill us with your spirit. That we might hear you and know you. Lord, let us cry to hear you day after day. Thank you, Father, for this text, this word. To be discerning believers in your house. So that our days are not filled with tragedy and harm but more and more with your grace and mercy. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your pleasure in us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.